0: No matter where you live, work, or play in Miami-Dade County, your daily actions impact the marine wildlife and water quality of Biscayne Bay. We've done some serious damage to our fresh water supply and coastlines as our county has grown. Pet waste, fertilizer, and litter all get washed into storm drains, canals, and waterways, which eventually feed into the bay. It's all connected, and so are you! Learn more about how you can be Biscayne Bay friendly at MiamiDade.gov slash Biscayne Bay.
2: Hi there, Duke fans. Welcome to episode 525 of the Duke Basketball Roundup. I am Jason Evans here for your listening pleasure. We're going to be talking with someone who watched the Blue Devils, spoke to the Blue Devils this past week at a special Duke Media Day. But before we get to that, let me bring in my partner in crime, Donald Wine. Donald, how are you doing this? I am doing just fine. I am in New Orleans for a uh,
1: family reunion. And so I have to get on a bus to go like... 30 miles south to get to the picnic uh, today. But I'm glad we get uh, we have a great guest on. And I'm glad we get to talk about some Duke basketball because the summer, you know, we don't get a lot of Duke basketball to talk about. So when we get it, we
2: got to pounce on it. Exactly. Exactly. So let's go ahead and bring in our guest. He is Chris Farrell. Chris has been a friend of mine for. uh, Wow. I don't want to say it.
3: Don't say it, Jason. Don't say
2: how long. Now we need to know. Now the people need to know. Since 1986, there you go, when he and I were both freshmen living in the same dorm. Uh, Chris has attended, I'm sure, hundreds and hundreds of Duke basketball games because he still lives in the area and has season tickets. And what's more, Chris is a member of the Duke alumni band. They perform at, at games, you know, every now and then. What, uh, what's your instrument again, my friend? Oh, I'm a trumpet player, naturally. There you go. So uh, here's what happened this week. Duke sent out a note to everyone who covers the team, which includes us here on the DBR podcast. And they said, hey, we're having a media day. And you can come down, talk to some of the players, talk to Coach Shire, and then watch uh, about 20 minutes or so of, of a practice. And I was like, wow, this is a great opportunity for us to, you know, get some hints about what the team is doing over the summer. Unfortunately, I'm not in Durham. Donald's not in Durham. Sam's not in Durham. So I said, I know someone who is in Durham. So we sent Chris Farrell to represent us at Duke Media Day. Chris, let me start by just asking this. The the first thing you guys did, I believe, was talk to some of the players. Who was there? And tell me some of the things you heard from them.
3: Yes. So it was talking, we talked to two sets of two players, and it was just a conversation with all the media that was there, just constantly just barraging them with questions. And the first two players that were up were Kyle Filipowski and Ryan Young and uh i think i made a note that i sent to you jason that it always amazes me just how really fit these guys are even the big bulky guys are look like rails they're really skinny because they're very fit so ryan and kyle just look like these two giant really fit guys and we started with them after that we talked to jeremy and mark mitchell uh and then uh coach shire came in and and talked after that but the things that really stood out in my mind were talking about the players' health. Of course, three of those players that I just mentioned have all all dealt with injuries at the end of the season or during the season. And we came to find out that uh, Kyle's injury is actually something that has been bothering him for years. It even bothered him in high school. Uh, But it was always a six-month recovery time, so he never did anything because he never had a six-month window where he couldn't play. That scares me because, it, well, it should scare opponents. It makes me excited to think how good he was with this injury or this this thing that he had it, and it was, he's and talking
2: about. If I can like, tell in it, it was his hips, right? It had to do with his hips? I, I think it's his hips. Yeah. Uh, he didn't. It was, yeah.
3: Yesterday, yeah. Uh, so he says he feels more flexible, looser, stronger, better than he's ever felt before. And that's what should be scary to people playing against them. And that's a really cool thing to hear as a fan. Uh, Mark also mentioned getting back in health. Jeremy also mentioned getting back in health. And Christian Reeves is also coming off of surgery to get back in health. And the interesting thing about those four things together is that none of those four players are in full contact practice mode or play mode, but all four of them are all over the court doing workouts. And so that's a really cool thing to hear. But it's also why you hear things like what came out yesterday or you saw on the Duke uh, Twitter feed, the uh, four-on-four scrimmages, because they don't actually have five-on-five five available. A lot of players are doing everything but not playing contact.
2: Gotcha. Gotcha. Uh, hey, talk talk really quick, if you can, uh, about what you heard from from Coach Shire. Uh, I know he came in and, and answered some questions from the media Uh, you know any any big takeaways from that
3: there were a few that that stood out to me Uh, the first is that he's excited of course to attack the season but not just coach shire but also the players were asked by uh the the media there how they saw coach shire this year did he seem different and the answer was yes that he seemed more just seeming like a head coach and and i what they meant by that was just carrying himself a little bit more confidently, I think. Uh Shire talked about being uh, just in the moment a little bit more and understanding uh more what he's supposed to be doing, because last year was total learning experience for him as well. And not only Coach Shire, but the rest of the team talked about having eight returning players instead of two, and that making a big difference. But what Thankfully. really... I- <laughs> <laughs> I know. Well uh, eight. eight returning players at Duke. I don't know when the last time we could say
1: that. Like we've we've talked about is, it all all summer. Like like when's the last time we could say we had eight guys coming
3: back? It's been a long time. Uh, it has been a long time, and and actually, we don't just have eight players. We have like stars, and you know, big big percentage of scoring returning. But what really stood out as they all talked about this was just because you've got them coming back doesn't necessarily mean anything if you don't put in the work. Uh, and the way that Shire described it was, we don't assume. Uh, we don't assume anything. And that was a nice, refreshing way to hear next play. Because it doesn't throw away what they accomplished. It just says, great that we had a good last month of the season last year. Nice that we went on the winning streak. Nice that we won an ACC championship. But at the same time, that doesn't mean that you automatically are good this year. You have to put in the work and, and and do the work. And he pointed out that uh, some of the games they won, even during that great month, were very close and they could have lost had they not done all the right things at the right time.
2: Chris, I think it's really interesting and really good to note that Shire's talking about that last month of the season. I I sometimes feel like we get fooled about exactly what the what last year's Duke season was because it did end uh, admittedly not in the NCAA tournament the way we would want, but it, but it did end on a positive note that the team was playing so well down the stretch winning that ACC title. And we forget that there were a lot of struggles throughout the year for these guys, and, and I'm glad to hear that Shire was sort of saying, hey, you know, we were great for a month. <laughs> you know, we were really good for a month, but it wasn't, you know, and no one's fooling themselves into thinking that this team was uh, a national title contender in December and January because, they they frankly, they just weren't.
3: Right. Actually, Ryan talked about some aspects of that where and that always that goes all the way back to the summer because Ryan talked about how it took about 10 games. They or the first 10 games they were playing, they were all learning. None of them knew a lot about what they should be doing, how they should be working together, how they were playing together. Of course, we were coming off the 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 D the D guys' injuries, Derek and Derek, they were coming back a piecemeal at a time. Uh, then Jeremy gets hurt. So during those first two months, they were still learning so much about themselves. And I, I actually made a note here, which which kind of showed out at practice. Mark, Jeremy, Coach, and uh, Ryan all talked about, you know, we're really hitting the ground running this year. Last year, everyone came in and had to learn. And when you think about all the things, you have to learn. You have to learn how to be a Duke student. You have to learn how to be at Duke. You have to learn how to practice. You have to learn uh, what terminology you're going to do, et cetera. But this year they hit the ground running. That was what Mark said. They, They spent all last, you know, all the summer last year was learning how to do stuff this year. They're just working. And Ryan mentioned the 10 games of them not even understanding each other yet. And I think that all goes together. And when we talk about experience, we all think in our heads about things like, how do you come back in the last minute? How do you prevent a comeback in the last minute? How do you hit, how do you run a pressure offense when you have to score? But really, knowing everything that they know, they understand how to practice, how to lift, how to be a student, how to manage your time. So I, 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 and you can already see there's such a difference in the way that they even just carry themselves and they're not even playing contact yet. This is just workouts.
1: So Chris, you, you mentioned the play on the court. Let's get to that for a second, because uh, as you probably know, we are, we are awesome. We, we may not be, we may not have been collegiate athletes, but we are very, very, very good at overanalyzing 20 minutes worth of basketball, views or footage, or even someone who saw 20 minutes of basketball. We're very good at that. So I want to know in that short time that you were able to see practice, who impressed you on the court most? And you can take that anyway. It could be a guy who might be coming coming back from injury a little bit stronger than you thought, or maybe one of the freshmen that exhibited some displays that you haven't seen before.
3: So to me, what, what struck me the most was a couple of things. Uh, And first was who impressed me the most one of those was um, Jay, uh, new our new associate head coach. Uh, he's running the practice, running the workout, and even though it's just drills, it was a competition, and so these guys are always competing with each other, and they're always they're, that that always puts a pressure on them.
2: Hey, hey Chris, do you mean what, was it a competition that that Jay Lucas set up, or a competition that the guys just had? On their own. Oh, no, Jay
3: was running it. Jay set it up, and he's running it. So it's two man groups running these drills, and each one is they're competing as a team against the other two groups, and individually. So there's there, there's all kinds of pressure to do what you do. But real, what really stood out to me was that our two guards set down here, Jeremy and um, Jaden, uh, they didn't miss. They were doing 18 uh, foot jump shots and three point jump shots. They missed some of the threes. But under 18 footer, like I saw shoot go three times, maybe four times where he hit 10 shots in a row. And, and these wow. were, these were jump shots. I mean, they again, they weren't 24 footers, but they they weren't 10 footers either.
2: Well, they, they weren't uh, contested either. 10 but...
3: footers would be, and they weren't contested. But it's also the other interesting thing about this workout was, uh, I'm going to compare it to JJ's workout. If you ever seen JJ do one of his shooting workouts mm-hmm. now, this was not a JJ Reddick workout, but they were making the guys move and go from one shot to the next after movement to get into a rhythm and also be a little tired. And they were hitting these shots. So yes, Jason, it was not contested, but they were working.
1: Were they at least, you know, you know, JJ Redick's workout, which is, you know, famous, he has like the seven competitive spots that someone can shoot uh on the perimeter. Were they hitting those competitive spots, like those spots that you normally see guys shoot? both in college and in the NBA.
3: Yes. So uh, corner, wing, top, top, corner, wing, et cetera. And they were going around. And that's part of the drill. So these were very interesting drills. Like, as a coach, I would love to just videotape the drills and then go, this is what I'm going to do. And then he also, they were progressively, uh, they progressively got more and more movement in them as well. So first of all, just the overall, the running the practice was just a, a very interesting thing i haven't been to a practice a long time but i haven't seen this drills as competition before Um, i'm sure that's been done uh also at the other end mark mitchell and and kyle were also doing the same drill uh so the other thing that stood out to me was that the big guys are doing the same shooting drills as our guards which is also a great thing to see as duke fans We're we love having big guys that can hit threes as we know and of course kyle started the season out as a as an awesome shooter uh, and was always a good shooter but um it's good to see i I saw mark and and kyle going through that um the other interesting thing that i saw at practice was that and there were two groups because they're they're doing these small group workouts Um, the other groups hitting the weight room at the same time the guys are working out and that weight room was live it it was very lively very loud Uh, they were working out as a team And so what I saw that impressed me most was no matter what was happening, this was a team doing team things. I don't think we give enough credit to how that practice facility is laid out sometimes. The weight room is sitting at the end of the gym. So you can see everything going on in the gym from the weight room and vice versa. So these two groups are watching each other work hard on different things at the same time. It's just, it's, you can see the camaraderie actually already starting for the year
2: dude. That is a great observation. I, I love that. And, and, you know, you mentioned earlier noticing that, that Ryan Young and Kyle Filipowski, you know, look really cut. I, I noticed in some of the videos, Jaden shoot, I'm sorry, but Jaden shoot was a, a little bit puffy last year. That dude looks like he's been working hard.
3: He does. And, and Jeremy also appears to be cut just at a different level now. Um, Mark. By the way, so did Mark. Uh, Some of the uh, Mark and Kyle both came to the interview wearing uh, workout tanks, and um, they're they're ripped. Mark especially is is just ripped. And uh, Jeremy Ryan would came. Ryan and Jeremy were wearing shirts, but once we were out on the court, saw you could tell that everyone's got just completely bulked up, but in great ways, and. I know that there was a story a few weeks ago about they're using the Tennessee game as a wake-up call and they're hitting the, the weight room hard and the, how much weight they've added. They are. They are all, but it's not just the big guys. Everyone's bulking up and really, and to your point, it did not look like the same player we saw last year in, in shoot. Um, it, 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 he didn't shoot like it either, by the way, and we know he's a great shooter.
1: Look, I think we, we've talked about you know a lot of the assistant coaches uh, and the carousel that we've kind of had a little bit this this summer, I think the the coach that might have the biggest job ahead of him for the rest of the summer is Coach Will Stevens, who is the strength and conditioning coach. He is, he is, he is the man. If you have not met Coach Will, you need yeah. to do so once in your life. You will be motivated to not only run through a brick wall, but also try to lift it as well. Uh that, that man is <laughs> charismatic uh and also very motivating. Um I you know we've talked a lot about the the upperclassmen and the and the returning guys, but obviously we have a lot of freshmen that have come into the wings and and a lot of them on campus this summer. Tell us a little bit about some of the freshmen. I know we're gonna talk a little bit about some of them. We we saw that Vets versus Brooks kind of video that Duke Blue Planet came out. We'll talk about that in a little bit. But From what you saw, you know, again, brief thoughts on the freshmen that we have this far on campus.
3: The most interesting thing to me about the freshmen uh, is that they were mentioned, whether asked or not, by the upperclassmen players. And and of course, Shire's point out was asked about them, but they all said the same thing, which is these guys are serious. They're. Uh, they didn't use the word gym rat. I'll use the word gym rat. They're gym rats. They are in the gym all the time, wanting to play, wanting to get better, working out, uh, wanting to learn.
2: Uh, Yeah, I've heard really quick, Chris. I've heard that Jared McCain is the first guy in the gym every morning and the last guy to leave every day. That like that dude lives in the gym.
3: It's that, that is, that jives with what Jeremy was saying that they're, they're there every day. Um, Shire mentioned that they were serious. He used the word serious. Uh, Ryan used the word workhorses. They, they, you can tell that there's a respect already in the way that they're approaching this season and their life at Duke as a basketball player. They started classes this week. So now they're dealing with this double uh, double whammy of of getting used to new stuff. And the great thing is, this is one of the benefits of having eight returning players because they can help them get acclimated. And in fact, they talked about doing that. But the thing that, that stood out from the talking about the, those guys is just how much they're already part of the team and how serious they are about working and, and understanding what, what their jobs are, what their roles are, which, you know, if you talk about the video, look to be pretty intense and uh, important.
2: Look, Chris, this was great stuff, man. We really appreciate you being there and representing for us. And more importantly, we appreciate you coming on and telling all the listeners what it was you saw and observed. Before you go, any final thought, final thing? Is there anything that we missed that you want to add in at the last moment?
3: One thing that stood out to me as part of uh, Shire's conference, uh, I had the I was uh, very fortunate to sit next to uh, coach Bucky Waters at the at the event which is not the first time I've had the privilege to sit next to coach Waters at a Duke event. Uh, he's such a great guy, has so much respect around the program. Uh and he brought up he asked he asked coach Shire about the defense last year, how he got the defense playing like they did considering the experience that they didn't have and his lack of experience as well is the way I think the way coach put it it's hard for any coach but especially a rookie coach to get in the defense and John just really kind of pushed that to the guys putting in the work and and him putting in the work all the time and with the intensity that they need to play all the time and and work all the time now that sounded a lot of redundancy but it just stood out to me that that coach waters has this respect for coach shire already um and that the defense i think if we really look at one of the things that blew me away last year was defense. And to think that we have our two stopper guards coming back just makes me uh, a little, honestly, quite excited and a little giddy to think about what we can do this year.
2: Amen, brother. Couldn't agree with you more. Chris Farrell, class of 89, Duke alumni band member and officially a representative of the Duke Basketball Roundup podcast. Thank you for joining us and helping us learn what's going on with the blue devils this summer. Thanks man. Thanks thanks Jason, thanks Donald. This episode of the Duke Basketball Roundup is sponsored by Better Help. Springtime is the season that's supposed to feel
1: like a new beginning. We have better weather and it feels like everyone gains a boost of energy. However, for many leaving winter behind doesn't always mean that their mood lightens up with the extra sunlight. We all carry around stress, and that stress can build as more events get added
2: to your calendar. That's certainly true, Donald. And with the amount of social gatherings increasing with the improving weather and more daylight, there's more pressure to be on when you're interacting with family, friends, coworkers, even strangers, even when stress has you a little bit down. And for some, getting advice from a therapist and help you tackle some of that stress without affecting you or the people you care about. That's what BetterHelp is all about. It's entirely online, and it's designed to be therapy that's convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. You just fill out a brief questionnaire and get matched with a professional, licensed therapist. And you can switch therapists anytime you want. So if you're thinking
1: of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try and find your social sweet spot. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Duke Roundup today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot slash Duke Roundup.
2: We're back from the break, and we got two other things we want to cover here before we round things up on the uh, DBR podcast this time. And the first one is we, we referenced it a little bit earlier, Donald. The this videotape that came out uh, about five minutes long, four and a half, five minutes long. It's titled "Rooks versus Vets," and it pits our four freshmen against a a, a team of well, a, a, an interestingly <laughs> composed team of Duke quote unquote veterans. I don't know. It's a little, Donald. Tell me your well. First of all, who, who's playing for the veterans in this game? Uh,
1: it, it was everybody. I, feel, I mean, there's. I, I see there was um, Tyrese Proctor. There's Jaden Shoot. There was Ryan Young. I, it's Stanley funny, Borden. Just, Stanley Borden was there. Yeah. Like it, it's it, as we mentioned. There's a lot of guys that are out due to injury or at least recovering from injury. And as Chris mentioned on on the uh, first segment that we have. And and first of all, thanks to Chris for being on and getting us some of that insight, because uh, as you mentioned, Jason, we, the three of us just couldn't be there for that. But I think when it comes to these sort of things, one, we can take these with lots of grains of salt because it's four versus four. There's a lot of guys out Two. Uh, this video, Jason, as we are about to kind of dive into a little bit, we're we, again we're great at over analyzing videos, but keep in mind that I believe there was only one shot missed in this entire five minutes and fifty five second video, and that was followed by a putback. So, and, and, and no defense being at least like highlighted on this video is a lot of offense, uh, but it's interesting to kind of see Jason how the freshman, as you know, Chris kind of alluded to get it like how they've been it seems they've been working hard you see a lot of Jeremy McCain. we see a lot of Caleb Foster in this video that they kind of you know almost dominate it from the uh from the uh, from the rookie side and then from the vets you see a lot of Tyrese Proctor um getting so our guards I I it's almost setting up like how this guard you know kind of rotation is going to handle uh this fall and how all you know all three of these guys plus Jeremy Roach are going to factor into that
2: well, and, and and don't leave out Jaden Shute, who I think exactly yes. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, he, he looks like he's in a different physical shape than he was last season. Uh, I I noticed repeatedly in this video and other video. Chris uh, Chris Farrell sent us some videos that he took from practice. There there are other videos that are out there, and and it's not just the editing. Jaden Shoot doesn't miss. <laughs> he's one of these guys that if you uh, you know, if you get him an open open jumper, he's going to to knock it down. I I think that there's going to be unbelievable competition on the wing. I agree with you. When I looked at the four on four Rooks versus Vets video, clearly the the three guards on there, McCain and uh, and Proctor and Caleb Foster, really stood out as as the guys who who were sort of playing at the highest level. It's not not that big of a surprise that that was that was what we saw off that video, but. I, the other guy that I really wanted to mention was um, I, I think what you saw from power was was impressive. Uh, it's easy to forget when you watch his game that he's 6'9", um, that he's moving around the floor, that he's putting up very, very smooth-looking uh, jump shots from the perimeter given his size. The, the competition on this team for minutes is just going to be unbelievable. I'm not sure... I don't know how John Shire is gonna gonna get it done, but man, it's 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 been fun. It's fun to watch and just think about what could be happening.
1: Look, it, he's got. I don't envy his job in a lot of ways, but one of them is trying to figure out this rotation and how guys get to play in and, and and how many minutes uh, you know get divided up amongst all of these guys. Because it, there's going to be a point, at least, especially early in the season, where there's going to be guys, all of them, who deserve, you know. 15, 20 minutes at the minimum. And they're just not enough minutes to go around for some of these guys. So again, I like that, you know, Chris alluded to the competition in every single drill, every single drill is a competition. Every single, you know, scrimmage is a competition. And it's a way for guys to kind of separate themselves, you know, in the eyes of the coaches and to figure out how to divide this pie up a little bit. So all of this going to breed pressure is going to breed, you know, everyone, you know, what, everything is going to make this team come together as a team and also become better as a team and as individuals. And I like that everything is set up where uh, not necessarily pitting guys against one another, but at least the camaraderie is there to say, Hey, if you're getting better and I'm getting better, then this team is going to be better moving forward.
2: Well, and I think the, the impact of this is not so much the guys are going to feel like, Oh, this constant competition pressure to perform. I think that when it comes to the games, when it comes to the actual season, what guys are going to feel is I can go full strength. I can, you know, run my butt off, work my butt off, go as hard as I can, because I know there's a guy behind me who can come in, play almost as well or just as well as I am. And we can keep on feeding off each other. I think that's the, the the advantage of this kind of depth to me is that, Guys can just run and play super hard the whole time and know, okay, I don't need to condition myself to be ready to play 25, 30, 35 minutes. I'm only going to play 15 minutes. That's okay because I'm going to shine in those 15 minutes and I'm going to make the team better in those 15 minutes, but I don't need to pace myself. Like no one on this team, maybe Filipowski, maybe Flip. Other than Flip, I'm not sure anybody on this team should be pacing themselves for one second.
1: Also, it makes it where the practices are so hard that the games are easy. That's the goal. When you want to be one of the top teams in the country, you want to make it so difficult in practice that when games come in, you're like, "Man, guys, we get the night off. We get to just molly this team over here." And this is, you know, this is like light in comparison to uh, to practice. And I, you know, I get it. Right, the ACC season is difficult. It's brutal. Uh, But if you make practices make you ready for that pressure, make you ready for that intensity and be able to figure out how to mentally bring it every single game. That's the that's what you're learning here in the summertime. That's how you, that's where it starts is right now.
2: All right, so let's get to our final topic for the day and this is a this is not a basketball topic technically. This is the future of the ACC at stake here as we as we have spoken about many times in this podcast. If you are not paying attention to What's going on with conference media deals and money in college basketball? Then you are being uh, left out of a very, very important part of what Duke's future is going to be, as the SEC and the Big Ten sort of run away from the other conferences in terms of dollars that they earn, and the other conferences are scrambling trying to figure out how to keep up and how to keep all their teams, you know, in the fold. As a result, so it was announced just a couple of days ago that the ACC has struck a deal with the CW Network to air football and basketball games on like Saturdays I, I I think maybe occasionally on a Sunday or something like that but but uh, it it's both football is going to be 13 ACC football games and then uh, another 28 ACC basketball games uh on the CW every Saturday there'll also be some women's games on Sundays a- and this is sort of a replacement for the old deal that the ACC had with Raycom uh, I'm sure all of you remember and recall the the Raycom deal that would put put games on sort of kind of random local TV stations. Um, and so this deal replaces that deal, even though Raycom's still involved, like as a producer or something.
1: Raycom is the is the main production company that's going to be pre- right. like presenting the game. It's just going to be instead of it being on various channels in different regions and different TV markets, it's going to be on the CW and all the TV markets that they're that
2: they're reaching out to. Right, right. So, Donald, give me, you know, what, what's your thought on this? By the way, we don't have a number attached to this. We don't know what this means in terms of millions to the ACC. My bet is it's not a huge. It's not a, you know, this is not a huge, lucrative, crazy kind of deal for the ACC, compared to you know, it's not going to make up the gap to the SEC. That's for sure.
1: <laughs> yeah, and this is not supposed to be. I think this is another way to kind of again get some increased revenue, however big or small that number might be. It's still more money going to the the member institutions of the ACC. This isn't moving the needle from a standpoint of people going, wow, the ACC is trying to really put their foot out there. This is more about getting more games on TV and maybe spreading it out while keeping Raycom, which you know, if if you don't know what Raycom sports and Jefferson Pilot sports is, then you've never watched an ACC basketball game because every team has had to deal with it. I mean it's it is an institution of college basketball. It used to be the only, you know, way to watch ACC basketball back yeah. in the day. So this is a way to kind of keep that legacy going, and that's part of the tradition of the ACC. But I mean, let's put it this way: I think the one thing that I'm, I guess, concerned about is how the CW presents this, because the CW has just recently gotten to sports. They got into Live Golf, and their partnership with Live Golf has not been great. Uh, I mean, Live, we we could go about Live Golf for for days, uh, but from the CW standpoint they will take you know rounds of golf off of TV there are some affiliates who don't like buy into it they'll say hey you know we have this rerun we want to show instead so we're going to show that i hope that that is not the case when it comes to CW and also there's one big factor is that the CW isn't available in every TV market in America most people think it is but it's not and so hopefully The idea is to stretch it where where there is no CW that this will link to another, you know, my 20 or some local TV uh, partnership that will allow people in every market in the country to see this game, because that's where the eyeballs come from. It's not just from the ACC. Sure, we're going to have the biggest interest, but you want ACC games being played in Iowa. You want them being played in Washington. You want them being played in Arizona because you want kids that are going there or, or, or that are out there to say, hey. If I go to Duke, if I go to Clemson, if I go to Wake Forest, my family will be able to see me play. And that's part of a lot of these uh, kids as they're factoring their decision on where they play in college. Part of it is, hey, I want my family to be able to turn on the TV at any given point and see me play. And this is a way to kind of increase that exposure. But it's not going to move the needle from a perspective of, oh, the ACC is now you know trying to get back and compete with the SEC and the Big Ten.
2: Yeah, so uh, I think, you know, speaking to your point of where the games will be broadcast, the CW has more reach, more affiliates, more places that will show these games than than the Raycom syndication method in the past. So that's mm-hmm. a good thing for the ACC. The other thing is, I, I want people to really understand and be clear about what games are going to be appearing here. The The Duke-UNC game is not going to be played on the CW. ESPN still has the first tier, the the most important games will will all be on ESPN or you know ESPN will farm them to to you know whether it's ABC or whatever it may be. ESPN sort of has has first right on those games. This is what's referred to as tier 3, the third tier of games. In fact, my bet is you will very very rarely see Duke showing up on these CW games. The same way Duke rarely showed up on the, uh, the the Raycom broadcast. You're going to get a lot of Clemson games. In terms of basketball, you're going to get a lot of Clemson games, Florida State, Boston College. Uh, you know, No offense to those teams. I I, I hope I'm not insulting them, but they're not the teams that bring in the same kind of ratings perhaps in you know, a Wake Forest and such as a Duke, a UNC, uh, a Miami, or a Virginia, the teams that have been at the top of the conference. But this is a good thing for the rest of the conference and it, it it's a it's a like you said, it's a good way of expanding the ACC's reach. I know the CW feels a little bit small time, like people are like, wait a second, ABC, CBS, NBC, you know, Fox, Fox. ESPN. Th- this is the big time. What's the ACC doing with this small time network? But you need to really you need to understand this is not like the ACC's prime media deal. This is the third tier rights. I do think just really quick that you will see Duke football playing on the CW at some times, and it'll expand the reach of Duke football in that way.
1: Yeah, I was going to say that I feel like every single team in in the conference is going to have a game
2: on right, this network
1: right. at yeah. some point during the year whether it's, you know, football, basketball and again, you know, men's basketball and women's basketball. I think you, that's going to be good because a lot of those games also Jason are pushed to ACC Network Plus, so you have to get you have to have ESPN Plus and you also have to have the ACC Network on your cable package to get some of these games and I know we've talked about how some of these games aren't available on TV. I think some of the non-conference basketball games right, are a good exactly. way to feature Duke in that in that regard for men's basketball, but also women's basketball. They don't get a lot of their games on TV. A lot of them, are again, are pushed to ESPN Plus and ACC Network Plus. I'd love to see Duke women's basketball get some of these Sunday afternoon doubleheader games because they're going to be exciting to watch this year, too, and to be able to, again, put them on what is a local channel. For any, anyone who does get the CW, it's not like a premium package deal where you have to get cable. That's a local channel. So that just expands the number of homes that these teams are going to be exposed to. And again, maybe increase the, the the highlights and say, oh, you know, some of this ACC basketball really is good. I just haven't had a chance to watch it. Some people might have that opportunity now.
2: Yeah. And the bottom line for me, my, my last point on all this is this shows me the ACC is looking outside the box at least a little bit. I mean, again, it's easy to sort of laugh and mock the CW, but at the same time, it's a place that no one had really necessarily thought. It's a national network that people hadn't really thought necessarily about broadcasting college basketball games. And here's the ACC saying, okay, here's an arena that folks hadn't explored yet. We're going to be the first one to go in this arena and make some money. Who knows how much it is, but we're going to make some money off of doing this. That's a good thing. And and we need the ACC to look to be creative as we try to desperately – at least a little bit keep up with the SEC and the Big 10 as they run away from everybody else. All right, Donald, that's going to wrap it up for us on this latest edition of the Duke Basketball Roundup. Hey man, I think I went through this whole episode and I never said Duke Basketball Report. We're getting better at that, aren't we? You,
1: you even you even used the you even had a pun for roundup. You said we were going to round up with these last two things on the podcast. I was like, "Oh, Jason, we we're growing here.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. We are sorry that our buddy uh, Sam Klein couldn't join us on this fine Saturday morning. We are thankful that my longtime buddy, my former, uh, uh, my, not roommate, but lived on my hall uh, at one point during during my college career, Chris Farrell, was able to join us. We, we appreciate all the insight he gave us from the Duke practice. Donald, Sam, and I will all be back at some point very, very soon to give you the latest on what's going on with Duke. Until then... We leave you with the Duke band to play us out and take us home.